You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' loss to the mighty Blue Jackets. Plus, where do the Jets stack up in a Stanley Cup contender checklist? Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here to close out the week. Maybe not the mighty Blue Jackets. That, That might be stretching it a little bit, but... Oh boy, dropping two games in a row to the worst team in the NHL. Yeah, that's... That's not going to put people in the best of mood headed into Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll see if we can uh, maybe up your mood a little bit here as we go through the episode. I mean, the game itself might bring you down, but we've got some other things cooked up for you here that might have you feeling a little bit better about the Winnipeg Jets and maybe even yourself as we uh, cruise through the middle of Feb already. Pretty, pretty crazy. February is just flying by, which is great. Because it is the worst month. I don't think there's much debate on that. February is Februjan. But I think February is the worst month of the year. Um, CGOB's Tyson Rewicki joining me once again. We'll obviously get to the game and a few other Jets notes to touch on here. But we're all waiting on the big news of the day. No, it's not where Jacob Chikrin is going. But Tyson, after weeks and weeks, have you finally watched everything everywhere all at once i have (laughs) oh he did it and and what's the verdict what did you think um i was confused i was very confused what (laughs) i thought it was i thought it was like a really cool movie i'm just very confused i I watched it right before bed so maybe that's why maybe i didn't get like a full like cerebral what were you confused about I don't just a, it's a lot of time travel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, yeah. First off, it's not time travel; it's it's the multiverse. So, well, yeah, that's but without there's just a lot of jumping. There's a lot of jumping. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there it, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. But it hey, it kicked my ass. If you haven't watched it, still find a way to go ahead and do it because I I think it's a shoe in for best picture. Oh, I like. I like that a lot. I, I just I need a second viewing for sure. I need yeah, to... you might need to watch it a couple times to to fully 
to fully grasp everything, especially, I mean, if, if you've seen the movie, you know, the hot dog fingers, the hot dog fingers, that's, that's, a, that's a different place, but I didn't even, I was so confused. Like that was where I was like, what is happening in this movie? Yeah. That, that's a completely logical reaction to that scene. Um, but that's good. Good news for you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, it, it took you about a month or so to get it done, which was kind of like me in college. So, you know, from one wiki to another, just taking their time, getting the assignment in. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy for you because I don't have to tell our our listeners an embarrassing story about you. Um, I'm curious, though. Like, just no, a little bit. It, it, it would be the can opener story. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could see his face right now, he's like, yeah. Yeah, that that's good. It's good I watched the movie. Did I watch the movie? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's too bad. Well, I maybe I gotta come up with something else for you because um, I'm sure people wanna <laughs> wanna find out what that story is. So maybe that's gonna be a weekly thing. I give you an assignment, and if you don't unveil it, we we tell the cat opener story to uh, thousands of people that are listening to the show here. I will um, up to at some point. So if yeah, those assignments are coming. You probably will hear. Yeah, if, if enough of you ask for it, we'll just we'll just tell you. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. If the people want it, they'll get it. Uh, but moving on from that, oh yeah, I mean, again, kind of a weird one. This Jets lost to the Blue Jackets two to one. I, I thought similar to the Kraken game in the sense that it was it was an odd one, but odd in the sense that the Jets lost this game. But man, I. I didn't hate their game overall, to be totally honest with you. The Jets played pretty well. It was, let's put it this way, at the bare minimum, miles and miles of improvement over the last time they took on the Blue Jackets. That that game in Winnipeg was an utter atrocity. This one here, you know, I I, I might even say the Jets just flat out got goalied in this one. They they went up against bubble Jonas Corpusallo. You know, him going absolutely nuts against the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. He he played his ass off in this one, specifically in that first period where the it was NHL versus AHL out there. I mean, 12-2 shot domination, maybe undersold the uh, <laughs> the, the Jets' strength in that first period there. I mean, they, they came out gangbusters there. It was Corpus Allo that kept it from being a 3 or a 4 nothing game. And then from that point on, it was really just March of the Penguins. It was March to the penalty box for both teams over the next 40 minutes. And it's it's tough to get a read on games like that, Tice, when it's just one penalty after the other, the same guys are being out there. And then when the other guys do eventually get onto the ice, they can't get into much of a rhythm. Just, I don't know. I'm not as sky is falling on this game as maybe other bad losses in the past for the Jets. Yeah, and even like when... When there's a game and there's a lot of penalty minutes that you think that, hey, maybe we this team can build some momentum off these penalty kills. Whenever these penalty kills would happen, it would be an, an immediate penalty the other way. And then all of a sudden we'd see the other team's momentum. And so, yeah, it's a it's a really weird one to, to gauge. And when the penalty kill just isn't, or sorry, when the power play just isn't clicking, there's just, you can tell it's like a game of hot potato out there. It's kind of, it's just, those star players just don't get into that rhythm of the game and they don't get into the flow. And it's more so just kind of, you almost start trying to force things and overcomplicate things. And I think we saw a lot of that in this game against the blue jackets and Hey, that's what happened. Like that's, 
That's the only way Columbus is going to win games is if Corpusal stands on his head. Now they can finally celebrate that they're out of the, the league's basement right now for the time being the Blue Jackets. I'm sure Yarmo is thrilled with that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's probably doing the draft simulator, the lottery simulator. He's like, what are we doing, you guys? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the power play because I mean, realistically, that's where the game was lost for the Jets. You know, I, I know the penalty kill gave, gives up two two goals. The penalty kill has been great all season long, but you know, the first one, an absolute line a snipe. I, yeah, there's. I know a lot of people. He, he's got a lot of fans here in Winnipeg. To, to me, there's almost nothing sweeter than watching Line A pick a corner. It's just it's something special. So I, I don't know if you're going to fault the penalty kill for a shot like that. That's a you know a cap tip there. And then the second goal is, I, I mean, Riddick's just got to stop it. The penalty kill didn't really do anything wrong there. He just to turn around Rister from the boards that your goalie's got to stop. So you know I, I don't think the penalty kill, despite giving up two goals, was the difference in this one. It's the one for seven power play that that really sunk the ship here. You go one for seven overall, one for three on five on threes. I mean, Corpusalo definitely played a role in it. I, I I wonder this Tyson because the move was made not all that long ago. Is is Blake Wheeler or Nikolai Ehlers the better fit on that power play? They they it's completely different styles in terms of what they bring to the table there. But look, the power play wasn't out of this world with Ehlers on there earlier this year, but it's, I think it's a fair question to ask after you, you go fruitless on six of seven opportunities is, is maybe a shakeup needed or is it more of, let's just see what the old man can do in the next couple of games with that man advantage. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think when Nick Ehlers is on that top unit, the line that line's more unpredictable. I think when Blake Wheeler's out there, that there tends to be, there's a tendency to kind of throw the puck below the goal line and try those cross crease passes and try like the, the tips in front. And I think teams are just used to that. Like you can, you can tell that whenever Blake Wheeler gets the puck below the goal line, they're they're taking away that pass across. And I think it's just kind of there's like a sense of predictability there. And when you have that predictability, it kind of takes away from your other players because it's just way easier for the other team to defend your power play. And I think that's what we're seeing with Blake Wheeler out there. I like I like the ability to have kind of that free-ranging, roaming power play where there's interchangeable positions instead. Because really, if you have Blake Wheeler out there, you can't really toss him anywhere else. Like he, At this point in his career, he's not as much as a threat from the right side with his shot. So I think that having having Ehlers there can just add a little extra wrinkle to that top unit. And I think on the second unit, it just opens up more opportunities for Blake Wheeler because it's a different look with different players. And I think that can kind of start to open things up with a power play. It's a great observation, Tyson, mainly because that's exactly what I'm seeing out there. So <laughs> I, if I think it's the right thing, then maybe it is. But I, I think... For me, the the word to describe it, it, exactly what you're saying, is static. Like, there's not a lot of movement out there. And and I think that is because Blake Wheeler is kind of wedded to that one spot. If you're going to have Shifley and Connor on, on both of the flanks there, I mean, there is only one spot for Blake Wheeler, and that's going to be somewhere below the goal line with PLD having that net front presence. And we're not seeing great movement. The puck movement isn't great, but... I think too many times we see when power plays struggle, it's cement boots all over the place. Like guys just aren't moving. And 
If you're not going to have much movement, unless you're the Capitals, you're, you're probably not scoring too many power play goals because the team can set up their PK. You know, they're going to block a lot of shots. And if they don't block them, the goalie probably knows where that puck's going to be going. So I, I think static and, and what the word you use, unpredictability, is is probably what's plaguing the Winnipeg Jets on the man advantage right now. And, and, and look, it's not alarm bells or anything like that. They're 16th in the NHL. I mean, 22% isn't anything to sniff at. You know, you convert on a couple more of these opportunities here and you're sniffing the top 10. So it's not the worst power play in the NHL and something that's ultimately going to sink them here. But yeah, I, I agree. I think I think putting Nicky up there again, I, I think just having his movement there is going to open up some of those lanes for the Jets that we're not seeing. And, and I like the idea of having Blake Wheeler run the second power play unit by himself there. I do wonder though, because we've seen this in the past with the Jets. Like, this is two coaching staffs that have taken, or, or at least have Nikolai Ehlers off that first power play unit. And I do wonder, like, there's a part of me that wonders, do maybe the players, the majority of the players, feel more comfortable with with Blake Wheeler there as opposed to Nikolai Ehlers? I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know if that, that makes it right or not, but you do kind of wonder a little bit why... You know, Paul Maurice opted to put Ehlers on the second unit, and now why Rick Bonus has continued to follow suit here. Because, let's face it, there there's not going to be a lot of movement elsewhere. You know, Morrissey's going to be the, the point man. Shifley and Connor, especially Connor, isn't going anywhere. And, and Dubois, I think, is one of the better net front guys in the entire NHL there. So it really comes down to Ehlers or Wheeler. I think we're both in agreement here that that Nicky should be the guy to get in there, but I wonder if there are extenuating circumstances as to why he's not amongst the top five that jump over the boards. Yeah, I even I would like to see kind of a Washington style take on their power play with the way that Kuznetsov and Backstrom, there's like a they they rotate a lot. You know, Backstrom will go from below the goal line down to the the right side of the boards and work that flank. And I like I think there's a big opportunity for some just some high-level plays where you have Kyle Connor sitting on the flank, dishes down to Ehlers, there's a little bit of a crisscross there, and then lanes start to open up. Ehlers can either continue to peel out from that switch off and come out and cut to the middle and take a shot, or then guys start caving in towards Ehlers, and that opens Shifley on the side for the one-timer. Like, I just, I think there's more options with an Ehlers-Connor power play compared to a, a Wheeler-Connor power play. I would agree. I would agree, and I wonder if after a one-for-seven dud if we don't see some changes heading into a pretty rough back-to-back this weekend through the metro division through new york and new jersey might want to get that short up pretty quickly if you want to grab some points against the devils and the rangers now one more thing that that stood out to me in that game that we we have to touch on and it's it's been a talking point all season long and i don't think it's getting better i think it's getting worse and worse and, and something needs to be done at some point by rick bonus to address it We're going to get to that as well as the Stanley Cup contender checklist in just a sec where the Jets stack up on that. But before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Plenty of action coming your way, even though the NFL is taking a few months off here. Basketball, hockey, MMA, whatever it is. Golf 2, Tiger in contention. Well, not really in contention. He birdied 17, but that was awesome. Golf as well. Whatever it is, DK can get you some money, especially if you're a new customer where a risk-free bet of up to 
thousand dollars is yours courtesy of dk plus same game parlays spreads money lines over unders and props it is endless all the options at your fingertips thanks to our friends over at DraftKings sportsbook big weekend coming up on tap as well if you want to dig into something juicy wild stars tomorrow night in minnesota what do you think, Tice? Maybe Dallas goes in, takes down the sputtering wild, who all of a sudden are on the outside looking in. I like I like a bounce back here for the wild. I think all right, I, I, I can get down with that. I can get down with that. And I even I, I hate to say it, I saw this this game being a trap. I saw the line, I saw the Jets are only minus two hundred. I was like, this game's a trap. That is just... a oh yeah, you gotta watch out for that. I mean, hey, we were wrong with our uh Chicago Toronto prediction yesterday. <laughs> the the Leafs found a way to take down the Blackhawks. By the way, the biggest favorite in um, NHL history, if you could believe it or not. Wow. Toronto was in that game against Chicago. So I guess they probably should have covered that one. But either way, big favorites, big underdogs, whoever it is, DraftKings can get you money with a big payday. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So the one note, the other note that we got to touch on from the game there, really one of the only things that I made note of once again, and it was multiple times throughout the game, but came to an uh, ahead there in the third period. And I, I, I don't know what the answer is here, Tice, especially if he's going to to stay with the big club, which I imagine he will, you know, through the rest of the regular season and the playoff push. But man, oh man, do the Jets ever have a Neil Pionk problem? I mean, it, it just, it, it continues. And it's it's doing so even when he's paired with Norris candidate Josh Morrissey. I mean, it, it, it's been a con, it's been a constant all season long. No matter who he's paired up with, that pair struggles. That defender struggles when they're placed on a different pairing. That defenseman then I would say plays up to their billing. I, I just don't know how much longer you can continue to give Neil Pionk the second most ice time on this team night in night out when he's constantly at the bottom of the shot share, he's constantly at the bottom of any, pretty much any analytic that you look at. And I test isn't going to help him out a whole lot either, especially considering that one ugly, ugly shift in the third period there where inside his own zone, what's supposed to be his bread and butter, you know, moving the puck out, being aggressive and heady, with the puck on his stick and, and starting to create some offense going the other way, he ignores an open Josh Morrissey inside his own zone, head down, barrels into a couple of blue jackets, turns the puck over for no reason, and then takes an awful tripping penalty to top it all off there, which ultimately leads to the game-winning goal for the blue jackets on that one. What, what's what's the move here, Tice? I like I, I I don't I don't really know what other cards Rick Bonus has left to play after hoping that I would assume, hoping Josh Morrissey kickstarts his game and, and gets him going the other way. It, it, it's other than hoping he turns it around here. What what's, what's the right move now? 
And I like you would think that maybe come playoff time the the play gets quicker and maybe he just needs to make a quicker play. Like he gets used to kind of kind of just stop thinking and making the play instead. But man, it's it's concerning and you almost have to wonder what that concussion concussion a little while did to him. Like, is that something that's kind of factoring into this is because it just seems like he seems like a player who's lost his confidence and he's just trying gripping the stick too tight. When I, when I go to make a pass, it doesn't work out. And when I dump it, it doesn't work out. Like everything just seems to be going against Neil Pionk. And I don't, I don't really know what the solution is at this point. He's supposed, and even on the power play, he's not really doing, he's not really bringing much on the, to the power play. I don't feel like he's that same guy that they traded for. And he doesn't, he's just, I don't even know what you do. Like to me, I guess you try and package him in a chicken trade. You try and package him in maybe an Ivan Provorov trade. You just, I, I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know at this point what you do with him. And maybe this is Hanola's chance to kind of sneak into the lineup, maybe take some of those minutes away. But even at this point, I mean, yeah, man, it's just concerning. He's supposed to be your, kind of your one beat of uh, Josh Morrissey and he's just not providing that value he's not at this point he's probably at best a third pairing defenseman and you just can't have that for a guy that you're paying that much money yeah yeah no you're right I mean he's that's the kind of results he's delivering right now and I think I I, I mean a, a trade is it's it's always tough to say trade and like package them things like I mean Maybe that is the route to go, but that's ultimately going to be up to Chevy. That's not really a Rick Bonus call right now. I think I think the move for for Bones is probably the the most obvious and easy one, and that's you roll with a third pair of Neil Pionk and Dylan Sandberg and, until he figures his game out. You know, I, I think Schmidt and Dylan. I mean, they, they played pretty decent together so far this year. I think Nate Schmidt's again quietly been a really good player. Like to me, your your three best pairings. With the six guys you have right now, are Morrissey, Demello, no doubt about it. I, I mean, I I wonder if Sandberg's played himself into some top four discussion. He's I mean, he's killed sheltered third pair minutes, but I can understand maybe giving the vets the the billing over over Dylan Sandberg right now. But I think Morrissey, Demello is the obvious pick. I think at this point, it's not even an, an argument. It, it's got to be Schmidt and Dylan as your second pair. And then Pyong Sandberg as a third pair. And that's a third pair that could probably kill it in, in the minutes that they get together, right? But I, I I think especially with the deadline coming up sooner than later, don't don't you kind of want to see a little bit of, of what your second pair can do, knowing that Morrissey DeMello can can carry it themselves? Like that that might be the biggest question mark surrounding the team right now is how are you gonna sort out your defense pairing so that you can fare well when 44 isn't out there on the ice. And I, and I I think to me, that's the move right now. It's not to, you know, flip-flop your top four over and over again. It's just Pionk can't be getting 22 minutes a night. It, it, like at this point, it's got to be, I don't think it's a trip to the press box, but I think it's a trip to the third pair for the time being. And if there's problems with Schmidt-Dilling as a pairing together, then you can revisit Neil Pionk jumping back into the top four. But for right now, it's it's he's just killing this team and it, it's it's tough to watch because he was great when he first came to Winnipeg but this is a season and a half now where we're not seeing that guy he's more of the guy that the Rangers were willing to give up on as opposed to the defenseman that played a really really solid role for the Jets yeah and to be this Jets decor kind of reminds me of the Penguins decor when they won their last cup 
And I think that you there's there's ways that you can get through this. Like they do have the number one in Morrissey, and just like the Penguins had in Latang. You just need those complementary D pieces to do their jobs. And right now, Neil Pionk's kind of the only one that's not really totally doing his job. So if he if you can just have him step up, that would be such a huge push to this club, and it would just take the load off of Josh Morrissey a little bit, and that would just help greatly for the scheme. Yep. Well, it's interesting you bring up the Pittsburgh Penguins there, Tyson. That's where a lot of comparisons come. You know, where the Jets roster is composed. The one caveat I would put there is, you know, Pittsburgh did have Crosby Malkin as their one-two punch. I don't know how many teams are going to say, oh, yeah, we got two Hall of Famers that we can go one two. You know what I mean? Sure, their defense was flawed, but I don't know if anybody has a couple of Hall of Fame centers. So, uh, you know, throw down their one-two and maybe that can mitigate some of the issues you have on your back end. But either way, the Pittsburgh Penguins do factor in to a very interesting article that came out from The Athletic yesterday. One that they've kind of done and and updated over the past few seasons now, but something that holds a lot of intrigue and value for the Winnipeg Jets, especially this year. And that would be a Stanley Cup contender checklist. Essentially... Taking a look at the past 10 years of Stanley Cup champions and trying to distill what each of those teams' most common elements are and how current teams of this season stack up against them. And so I think it might be kind of fun to take a look at what other teams had, what the Winnipeg Jets have, what they don't have, and is there a way to go out there and get it and how they stack up across the rest of the NHL. So essentially, I'll boil it down quickly, what the most common denominators are in terms of Stanley Cup champions. That would be an elite first-line center, an elite first-line winger, then a top-line center, two other top-line wingers, two more top six forwards, depth for the middle six there, that's a, a, takes care of the forward group. On the back end, you have the elite number one defenseman, a second number one D-man to play behind him, and then two more top-pairing caliber defensemen, one on the second pair, one to crush minutes on the third pair, followed by a top 10 caliber starting goalie. So that's 10 elements that most Stanley Cup winners or most Stanley Cup winners end up having on their roster. Do you want to guess how many of those 10 the Winnipeg Jets are currently proposed to have, Tyson? I'm going to say seven. Pretty close. Surprisingly, the Jets have eight of those 10. And I don't know if this is surprising or not, but it's up front where the Winnipeg Jets have all those check marks. Interestingly, the uh, the Athletic actually has Dubois as the team's elite number one center over Mark Shifley. But either way, the Jets have the one-two punch with Dubois Shifley. I think no surprise, winger-wise, Connor and Ehlers certainly fulfill those um, positions that other cup winners have. Maybe surprisingly, Blake Wheeler's play this season is worthy of top-line winger value that's been i think an underrated part of this team is how well blake wheeler has played but even then top six forwards cole perfetti and adam lowry both fit the bill there for the jets so up front stanley cup caliber forward group interesting there um 
Don't know if this surprises you or not, but Connor Hellebuck does squeak in as a uh, top 10 caliber starting goalie. Actually, he comes in as the number one starting goalie in the NHL, according to the Athletics. So pretty good there. Um, But it's the back end that we were just talking about where the Jets lack compared to other Stanley Cup winners. Fortunately, the hardest position is filled. Josh Morrissey is more than capable as an elite defenseman. Dylan DeMello fulfills the top pair defenseman category, but it is the other number one defenseman, Neil Pionk, where the Jets fall short, and then a fourth top pair defenseman, Brendan Dillon, just falls short of that, Mark. I wonder where Nate Schmidt might fill in there, but either way, that's the two bugaboos for the Winnipeg Jets, a second top pair defenseman, or a second number one defenseman, and then another top pair defenseman to strengthen that blue line. What do you make of that, Tyson? That's kind of falls in line with what we've been, we've been saying the past couple of weeks, right? Like this team needs that extra D-man that can kind of take the load off of Morrissey. And the, the athletic proves us right, I guess. Like this is this team is that away from a legit Stanley Cup contender. And I think not doing that and not not filling that position is a huge, huge disservice to the team, to the organization, to the players, to the fans. I think that this is something that needs to be done for this team to reach that next level. And it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do, because if you do that move, I I do think that it plops you right into that top three conversation for Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, well, I mean, depending on what Edmonton, Dallas, Vegas do, it probably makes you the number one team, the number one contender in the West this year. And I should say, you know, it's not like you have to fulfill all 10 of those elements to win a Stanley Cup, right? Like, obviously not every Stanley Cup winner went 10 for 10 in that checklist there, but it does give you a good base sample to work with as to what holes you might need to fill there. To me, it provides a pretty good argument that maybe Timo Meyer is a bit of a luxury buy, just kind of what I've been saying. I mean, it would be good still to have that, right? Like, I mean, your forward core would be nasty at that point. But I still think that strengthening the blue line is is got to be priority number one here. And I don't think it's going to be hey, as great as somebody like Luke Shen might be, you know, probably surprisingly, probably a, an improvement over Brendan Dillon at this point. I'm not, I'm not saying Luke Shen would be a, a totally useless pickup, but it's just if you can solidify that number one spot behind Morrissey. Nine out of 10 wouldn't be too bad, Tice. If, if it's your number four defenseman isn't, you know, Nicholas Chalmerson from Chicago, you know what I mean? Like if, if that's going to be your weak spot, I, I think that's a pretty good weak spot to have as a cup contender. For me personally, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily go as in-depth as, as the athletic does here. My contender checklist is, you got to have that one-two punch down the middle, which the Jets do have. You got to have two to three capable wingers that can play in your top six. I think the Winnipeg Jets have that. You got to have a top 10 goalie. Again, the Jets have that. But you have to have two pairings that are considered top pairings. That, that to me, is so, so critical. And I think what gets lost in the majority of Stanley Cup winners They'll point to that number one stud defenseman and say, that's what you need, nothing else. You do need that. But how many of these blue lines have two to three guys that could be a number one pairing defenseman? 
Like that to me is the element that's missing right now with the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think it's get two more D men and then you're good. I think it's, I think if you just get the one guy, that can be enough to push them ahead, especially in a really, really weak Eastern Conference. Now, one thing I do want to touch on quickly here to maybe throw a little bit of intrigue into the weekend. I guess, I mean, you brought up Jacob Chikrin there. I would say maybe for the first time, Tyson, we've officially heard the Winnipeg Jets linked to the Coyotes defenseman. And if it's going to be anybody, it might as well be Elliot Friedman, right? But in 32 Thoughts, his latest article for Sportsnet, Friedman, I'm going to get the exact wording here. Let me pull it up quickly. But Friedman does mention Winnipeg as one of the teams involved in the Chikrin sweepstakes. What do you think about that? I mean, I love it. That's that's yeah. what you like to hear. It's, it's, it's nice that like Chevy's doing his due diligence and kicking the tires on these guys because realistically, guys like Chikrin don't really become available that often. And I think he's kind of teetering on just on that number one, uh, number two, like high-end number two level. And those kind of defensemen don't come around too often on the trade market. And when they do... They mostly happen in the offseason. It's, it's a lot. It's a high price, and I think we will see a high price for Jacob Chikrin. But like you mentioned, with the two, adding a guy like Timo Meyer, it's a luxury, and it doesn't really change your problems in your team. It just kind of you're trying to overcompensate in one area to detract from another. And I think that this is it's great to hear that the, that the Jets are in on it. Maybe it's just a negotiating tactic where they're trying to drive the price up, driving, putting more teams into that hat, and they're going to go after a different target. But it's great to see Chevy is doing his due diligence on a guy like Jacob Chikrin. Take a shot, due diligence. Take a shot, everybody. Uh, here's the the quote, the passage from the article, essentially talking about the Kings and the Coyotes who appear the most likely fit still. But Elliot Friedman says, if not the Kings, then who? Boston's considered it, but I don't know if that's likely. Other clubs that make sense but appear to be out include Edmonton, Florida, Toronto. I've wondered about Winnipeg, Friedman says, followed by he also believes Columbus, surprisingly, might make a lot of sense there. It's funny that I've wondered about Winnipeg is like, oh, hell yeah, here we go, <laughs> right? That the, the, the least inspiring line of all time, I've wondered about Winnipeg, got me all ready to go for that one. But, I mean, at the very least with the number of teams he mentioned that appear to be out of it, LA, Winnipeg, Columbus, the Jets got a chance here. And then maybe if they're hung up on a certain player in a Kings package, I mean, I got to think that if you're working on getting him to a contender, the Jets got to have a leg up on Columbus, right? So maybe all of a sudden the Jets find themselves just behind the LA Kings and the chicken sweepstakes. I'll, I'll take that as of right now. That That's a win for me. That's a win going into the weekend. The other thing that kind of blew me away, steering away from, from the chicken talk, did you get a look at what David Pegnata of the fourth period said about the Calgary Flames ahead of the upcoming deadline? Yeah, that's interesting. That's, oh, uh, you want to talk about blockbusters all of a sudden. And maybe names that come out of nowhere, which seems to be Chevy's bread and butter. But David Pegnata reports, I mean, doesn't report this part. The Flames are an absolute mess right now. That That is just fact for everyone to see. But he reports that the Flames have held 
legitimate trade discussions around Mackenzie Weger, who they signed to an eight-year extension that hasn't even kicked in yet. Now, he does mention, should say, that Ottawa would be a good fit and that Ottawa would be interested in bringing the hometown boy over to the Senators. But, man, oh, man, does Mackenzie Weger scratch that itch for you, Tyson, when it comes to defensemen that might be available? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's all that needs to be said. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? It's... uh... I don't know what's happening in Calgary right now. I think I feel like that's almost being kind of underreported. It's just it's a dumpster fire there. Just their star players can't get going. Daryl Sutter seems to have lost the room. They, I mean, today they're playing Detroit and they just tied it up with five minutes left in the second. It's two all now. I, I don't know what's going on in Cowtown. Like that's from a team that was so good last year, and then yeah, you lost some key players, but I thought they did a fairly good job of replacing those guys. I mean, bringing in uh, Nazem Kadri and Huberto, and then you added a top four defenseman on top of that with Weger. I thought this team would be lights out, and they just haven't seemed to gotten their, their rhythm going. I mean, there's problems with their D-zone play. Jacob Markstrom looks like he's lost a yeah, little bit of confidence. There's the big one, right? Markstrom can't stop a beach ball right now. Yeah. I, mean, that, that, I mean, he can't stop a beach ball, and Huberto couldn't score if he had a golf ball on his stick or something. You know what I mean? Like he's on, he's on pace for 58 points, which is like, that might, I think he doubled that last year. <laughs> right? yeah. Like that, it, it's, that, that is a shockingly low number. So I, I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea because nobody saw what Calgary did in the off season happening. So like the, them moving Uyghur, I could totally see that. If them moving Hannafin, who's, a UFA, right? Like, I, I think anything's on the table with the Flames. I mean, from a Jets perspective, I think you kind of hope that they just lose their minds in these next two weeks, drop five or six more in a row. And if they're completely out of it, like, do they maybe ship off some guys? for Right? Like, I, I don't know. Calgary's a really, really interesting team to keep an eye on. But, man, when I saw McKenzie Weger there, like, to have Morrissey DeMello on one pair... And then say Uyghur and Brendan Dillon on your second. That's pretty juicy. I I don't I to to me, I don't know how likely that is, of course, but to me that puts the Jets right at the top of the class for the Western Conference. So if we uh, if we want to hope for anything over this next little bit, if you're a Uyghur fan, let's hope for some flames L's to come up over the next couple of weeks here and maybe Brad Treliving loses his mind again. And maybe the Winnipeg Jets become the benefactors of that with just over two weeks to go before the NHL trade deadline comes to an end. But what will come to an end for sure here is this episode. We'll call it quits there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it on Tuesday morning, diving into a really busy weekend a monumental weekend as well for the Winnipeg Jets. Litmus test time, New Jersey on a Sunday, and then a back-to-back evening matchup against the Rangers at MSG on Monday. So we'll see how the Jets did against two of the powerhouses out there in the Eastern Conference, as well as any other trade news that comes our way. Until then, though, enjoy your weekend, everybody. 
And thank you once again for listening. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, stopping by once again. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Have a safe, fun, and happy weekend, everybody. Peace.